well. And let's stand right here, starting right about where I am in that direction, kind of in a V, kind of toward the camera, because we want to show all these special children to the... I tell you what, we'll do it in shifts, maybe. <laughs> we'll, we'll have you go down that direction. And the, the grandparents can go behind. So, hallelujah. We'll get that in just a minute. Um, I want to share just a little bit here quick before we pray over them, okay? And this is for all of us here, too. I'm not going to do this part twice. <laughs> Uh, it says in Psalm 127, it says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is the reward. And that's not a, that's not a problem. We like that when they're expressing themselves. You know, Jesus was, was talking to a crowd of people, and there were children that were the disciples thought were disturbing, and the disciples said, well, let's get the children away from Jesus, you know. And Jesus rebuked them and he said, suffer these little children to come to me, for such is the kingdom of God. There's a freedom with them. Hallelujah. And so, no problem at all. Um, As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. How many are in a quiver? Kent, do you know? Lots. Lots. <laughs> well, lots of kids. Children are a blessing. They're a blessing from God. They really are. Um, and here's a, a couple more scriptures. This is one that the Lord put in my heart this morning. He, the Lord Jesus, shall lead his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs, the little lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. And so it's like he carries the kids, but he also leads you. He's leading you as you raise up these children in the Lord. And we're so thankful for both families here today. I have a question for the parents. And I'll go stand. Let's see. I'll just stand here, I guess. This is for the parents. Do you promise to bring up these children in the love and nurture of the Lord and will you pray for them teach them the word and be godly examples to them what is your answer I thought it would be that and this is for the rest of you up here grandparents and such but also all of us, really, 
It says, do you promise to pray for, and that's for the parents, but also kids. And will you be loving spiritual supporters, loving spiritual supporters to both? And what is your answer to that question? The Lord's help, yeah. I figured you would say that too. Hallelujah. Okay, now we're going to anoint the children with oil and pray over them, and Joyce is going to help. Get my oil here. We'll first do these kids. Now are we doing all this one? Okay. And I'm going to have, you can speak in the mic and give the full name, okay? Full name. Everly Faith Hewitt. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. So Everly Faith Hewitt. We anoint you with oil, and I'm going to have Joyce lead us in prayer for you. We thank you, Jesus. You love Everly Faith. We thank you that your love is a seed within her that will just grow and grow and blossom. She'll know that she's loved by you. And she'll share your love with others, Lord, as she continues to live healthy and strong. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, maybe we can just do it over this way. I'll have you kind of back up that way, and we'll have you come forward this way you all. Part of this is so that we can, the folks that are watching online can see too. So let's get over a little bit further here. Hallelujah. And I'll, okay, we're going to do both Ellie and Jack. I'm going to have you say their full names. This, this is Ellie Ray Cootley. And this is Jack Lee Cootley. Jack Lee. All right, Ellie, I'm going to put some oil on your head. Jack. Hallelujah. We dedicate you, your parents dedicate you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Joyce, yes, thank you, Lord Jesus. Jesus' love in you and upon you, and with you, and flowing from you, in Jesus' name, knowing him, knowing Jesus personally, from very young ages, in Jesus' name, for your purposes, Father God, for your purposes, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And anointing upon yes. these parents too. In Jesus' yes. name. Yeah. Your hand and anointing on these parents, Lord Jesus. Thank you. 
Oh, these kids are so precious, aren't they? Right, grandpas and grandmas? <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. You're blessed. Hallelujah. And we had the children stay up here on purpose um, but because we wanted you to see this because you're part of this too. You're part of the church family, kids, and you are part of those who will help and praying for them and nurturing them too. But now, let's all stand up and we'll release the children to Children's Church and let's greet each other in the name of the Lord. Just a couple announcements. One of them is that, yes, we will have fellowship after the service. There's not a meal, but I'm told there's some really good, good goodies that we can um, share together as we have fellowship. Um, this Wednesday will be our touch point at 9 o'clock, but it will be archived as well on our Facebook page and then on uh, YouTube. I have a correction. I saw it when I was sitting there and reading the announcements. I have it that the TCC Kids and Youth are canceled this week. That was last week. They are not canceled this week. They will be on, and also the adult Bible class will be this Wednesday. Um, the Zoom meeting with Pastor Dean will be Thursday night at 7.30. Uh, our tithes and offerings, we don't pass the plate, but we have two boxes on the back where you can place tithes and offerings. And um, if you're watching online, Tinstrike Community Church, Box 67 Tinstrike here, you can send it to, or go to our website, and give that way. And um, Samaritan's Purse for Ukraine, for the Ukrainian relief, our offerings came to $2,105 for that. So that's a blessing that we can give to Samaritan's Purse. And uh, a couple other things. March for Jesus is on Sunday, June 5. Um, and I'm, I was just given a note, I think, from Carla that they do need volunteers still. And you could talk to Susan Rock or Carla Mandrell um, about that. So um, that's coming up. But then also, you might have seen the notice we sent out for Lowell O'Brien. He had fallen and broken. I guess there were three breaks in his pelvis, is what it was. And so he is now at the uh, care facility in Bagley. It's a cornerstone nursing and rehab center. And uh, I'm just going to mention, too, Kent and your family, you have become a part of us, and you will remain a part of us, even though you're move a few miles away here uh, to Park Rapids. And Kent, Kent, when we were talking about this, he says, could we still stay on the schedule for singing? I said, absolutely. 
And so we're going to have them on, stay on the schedule of leading worship. And um, it's not that far away. And uh, we got that with Aaron and Ruth coming up here too. It's not that far away, you know. <laughs> and uh, so we'll, we'll figure on that. We actually, July 3 isn't that far away. It seems in some ways, but it's not. Kent will, and the team will be ministering on July 3rd coming up but we do we pray the Lord's blessing and favor and protection provision direction illumination revelation multiplied grace healing shalom shalom over you and your family spirit soul body relationships and finances in Jesus' name, in these days ahead. Thank you, Lord. And we're still going to have those cups of coffee. Amen. Hallelujah. Yep, Vante, we're going to have a graduation. Did you want to say anything about that? Or? Okay, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to do a special graduation. Bonte's graduating from Bemidji High School. So on the 29th, is that the right day, Pastor's Day? Yeah, yes. graduation is the 28th. So after church 29th, on the yeah. 29th, we're going to do a meal yeah. and have a special right. time for Vante that day. He's, yes. Vante moved in with us. He was just turned. Vante, were you six? When you came, I think so. He was sick, so so it'll, we've had a great time with him. So, well, it's interesting how God puts um, things together. If you would put the scripture up that I chose today to uh, to have Psalm one twenty seven, same one he opened with with the kids. And it says, except the Lord build a house, they who build it labor in vain. I better turn so I can actually see it. And it says, unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And so today I kind of wanted to use this scripture as a foundation and share a little of the practical things we've been going through over the last six weeks as a family but also I'm going to share in depth some of the spiritual concepts that go along with this. Because that's what David was saying here. He wasn't really talking about building four walls and a roof. But he was talking about building our heart, building our life, building our churches, building our community. And we're seeing that in America today in, in ways that I've never in my 60 years ever had seen but our foundations are crumbling in our land. And yet I'm glad that we still have the rock. Amen? Amen? The things that our country founded on are shifting and changing. But the rock, our Lord Jesus Christ, never changes. And that's good news, isn't it? That's good news today. It was about two months ago that we decided to move and it all happened so quickly that I woke up after about four days and I looked at my wife and I said 
Did that all really happen? We put our house up for sale. It sold in 22 hours. But before we could sell our house, we had to find a house because our family's kind of unique. We have special needs kids. We have two kids at home in wheelchairs yet. And so we took a look at the real estate available in the Park Rapids area. We wanted to move to Branson. We were going to move south. And we just, our arrow dropped a little short. We only made it 50 miles south. <laughs> and um, the warm weather was really the only reason why we could figure out why we would leave. We have too many reasons to stay. And so we had to stay in the area. And so we did. We decided to move to Park Rapids. Um, these two young men are going to start working down there at the DAC. And my sister lives there. And we just had a lot of reasons why um, we wanted to be in that area. So we found two houses for sale. And we had to have a, a walkout basement for our kids with wheelchairs. And one of them had it. And it had plenty of room. The problem was it was built the year I graduated high school. And so it, I was telling Rod earlier today, it still had striped pants on and leisure suits, you know, <laughs> is what it was still wearing. And so we went in and totally gutted the house. We took down the walls. We tore flooring out. We just uh, did a complete makeover. And hopefully next Saturday we're going to move. So if anybody has a pickup, a trailer, and you have a free uh, day with strong muscles, we would invite you to come and, and pitch in and help us. I'm not uh, begging. Yes, I am. I'm begging. Please come. <laughs> Please come and help. Um, and I was thinking back of the foundation. We had to strip everything away in this house, get it right back to the bare bones. And I thought about how the Lord came into my life, 1982, September of that year. I was 20 years old, thought I knew it all. I said, I will never be one of those crazy ones that go down to the front of a church and accept Jesus. And when the evangelist gave the call, I was the first one down there weeping and received Christ into my heart. I was 20 years old. And he began to lay that foundation in my life, began to build in me something different and changed me. My friends didn't know me anymore. They still liked me, most of them, well, some of them anyway, but uh, I was becoming a new creature in Christ, a new creation. The old had passed away, and all things had become new. I, uh, I remember at 21 years old, I picked up a guitar I had never played, never sang before in my life. And my brother-in-law started just teaching me some chords, and. I always say I'm still not a musician. I, I like to sing and I like to play. But um, I had a desire to write music. And when I was 23, I wrote the first song that I had ever written, obviously. And, um, but it was, in, it was titled, If It Wasn't For The Blood. And I was thinking about the foundation of our homes that we lay. We have to start there, right? We have to start with the blood of Christ. We have to start with that experience of coming to know him and our sins being washed away. 
there's a cemetery on the uh, left side of the road just as you're getting to our new house and it's, it's a Catholic cemetery and they have a big statue of Jesus on the cross and every time we go by Danny points at it and he goes dad Jesus died for our sins on that cross and that's what it's about that foundation has to be there it has to be real and so um, I wrote this song I was 23 years old it says 37 years ago that's amazing, isn't it? God is faithful today. And we're still standing here at this time. Just listen to these words. Jesus, look inside my heart. Tell me what you see. Am I thankful for the love? Showed by dying on that tree Or do I just take it for granted The blood you shed for me For it was that precious
Amen. That foundation was laid in my life. And then we could begin, or God could begin, to remodel me. <laughs> it's interesting. We think we're so smart when we're young, don't we? I heard someone say when uh, <clears throat> teenagers should leave home now while they still know everything. I remember my parents bought that and put it up in our house when I was a teenager. I think there was a message they were trying to let me know that we really don't know much when we're young. And actually, the older we get, we realize we still don't know much. But hopefully, we're getting a little wiser in it, in the years that we spend. We walk with God. And it's because of his wisdom, because of his knowledge, because of his understanding that we do begin to grow and our, the plant of our life begins to blossom and we begin to, to really bring forth fruit in him. We begin to tear down walls in this old house. And fortunately, I'm able to go into an old house. I think I've watched too much HGTV. Okay, I, I think I have a little problem. You can pray for me. But I went into this house, and it took me five minutes, and I had it all remodeled in my mind. I'm not kidding. Chantel was still having a panic attack, laying on the floor, going, I don't know if this is going to work. No. I said, this is going to work. We're going to open it up. We're going to do this. We're going to take the basement. We're going to put rooms here, rooms there. This is... And she goes... Okay. Now, my wife is the designer. She has an eye for design. She can, when we're done, she'll put the sparkle on it. But I can see what needs to be done. And I believe God can see what needs to be done in my life and in your life. And he begins to remodel us, and that hurts. The first thing we took out, Josh was working with me, and, and Daniel and another guy, Matt, and they had sawzalls, we had hammers, we had mauls, we had a 20-yard dumpster out in the driveway, and it, by the end of the first day, it was like, I really hope we know what we're doing now, because it was destroyed. But that's how God has to work in our life, isn't it? He has to begin tearing down the old because we get saved, and, and I heard one pastor say, we can have a clean heart and an empty head for a long time. Think about that. We can. We can be saved, but we can be stubborn, too, and we can fight against God, and we can say, no, I don't want you to tear that wall down, and he's coming in there trying to get there. I remember Stephen Annie Chapman. You remember that name from way back in the 70s and 80s? He wrote a song about the secret place in our heart, the room, the secret room. And we don't want God in that secret room. We want to keep him away from that room. And I thought I had gotten rid of all my rooms in my, in my uh, house. And guess what? I hadn't. Because I am a work in progress. Bill Gaither wrote a song called, He's Still Working on Me to Make Me What I Ought to Be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, sun and the earth, Jupiter and Mars. But he's still working on me. Forty-some years later, and I think sometimes I have some fortified areas in my life that 
he's really going out and getting the big mall and the jackhammer and he's coming in. And you know why he does that? Because he loves us. He loves us enough to not leave us where we're at. I'm so grateful today for moms. I thought this was Mother's Day weekend when you asked me to lead on the 15th of May. I thought, oh great, that'll be Mother's Day weekend, but it's not, I missed it by a week. But I can still talk about moms today. How many of you out here had a mom? Anybody? Okay, no, I'm just, just joking. Just some of my bad humor, right, Doug? <laughs> Doug says, uh, at least you think you're funny, so. <laughs> I'll be looking for a new drummer this summer. If anybody would like to sign up, uh, we'll get that going. But I'm so thankful for my mother. My mother was 13 years old. She had never been raised in church. She didn't really know anything about God at all. And her school teacher, Mrs. Raditz, asked my mom at 13, said, Arlene, do you know who Jesus is? My mom said, no. So her school teacher, can you believe it? began to tell her the gospel, share with her the gospel. And that day, my mother and the school teacher knelt down in that one-room country school, and she gave her heart to Christ, 13 years old. Isn't that great? Yeah. If a teacher did that today, they would find a tree in the parking lot and probably hang them, right? Isn't that sad? See what I'm saying about our foundation? about how things are shifting and the very things that we built upon, the enemy is coming in and trying to pull them all away. But my mother was such an influence in my life. I, she, I, I had seven older sisters. That's, that's a lot to deal with when you're growing up. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Seven of them. And they were all bossy. Some were bossier than others, but they were all bossy. And uh, it was tough in my house being, I was only one of two boys, and my other brother's nine years older than me, so it wasn't easy being in my house. And I would always come to my mom and say, this sister did this, and, that, and I'd go on and on, and she'd go, now can't think about all the good in them. Think about the good things they do. Let's talk. I said, I don't want to talk about the good things they do. I'm mad right now. We want to talk about that. But my mother was always looking at the positive, and she was always trying to bring out that which was good in you. And I want to encourage all the moms here today. Your job is so important. Grandmas, doesn't stop. Your jobs are important. You dedicated those two beautiful babies. Moms, there's just something about you, you know? Just something about a mom. And so that foundation and some of that building that we do is done by our mothers as God leads them and God directs them. And after my mother had died, I sat down and I said, Lord, I, I want a song that would just tell a story about her life. After I wrote that first song, I realized I was country. There was no getting over it. That's just, uh, I didn't need a healing, I guess. I just, that's who I was. And so I wrote this song about my mom. 
and it's simply titled Mama's Song. I want to share it with you today. In a one-room country school Next to an old wood-burning stove My mama bent on humble knees As a teacher led her to the Lord At the age of 13 That's when her life really began for that day was when my mama was born again and she cried Jesus please forgive me I want to live for you I'm reaching
Oh, for all of you that have said goodbye to your mom and had to let them go, let her go into heaven, into the arms of Jesus, you know that it's a, I don't know, it's a special moment, it's a special time. I was standing there singing, we were singing hymns, and my mother had been in a coma for about two days. She was dying from diverticulitis, where she was slowly bleeding. We had done a lot of transfusions and things like that to keep her going. She had dementia, and my dad and I sat one day and we said, Dad, we're, we're doing things to her, not for her anymore. He said, I agree. It's time to let her go. It's time for her to go and be with her Savior. And so she slowly faded and slipped into a coma. And all of a sudden, I was standing there with my dad and a couple of my sisters, and her eyes opened up. And she had the look of a kid at Christmas when they come down the stairs and see the presents. And she was looking up, but she wasn't looking at us. She was looking through us. My mother had beautiful blue eyes, but they had faded. They were very gray. There wasn't much blue left in them at all. And when she opened her eyes, they were as blue as sapphire. Right before she died, I had said, Lord, you don't owe me anything, but show me something when you come. I had been a chaplain at the nursing home for many, many years at that time, and I had watched Dozens and dozens and dozens of people die in my presence. And I knew when that moment was close. And when she opened her eyes and I saw that radiant blue, all I could say was thank you. She took three more breaths and died. Someone, I shared that story and a man walked up to me. And he had in his hand a scripture from Exodus. And it says that Moses took the elders up into the mount and God showed himself to them. And he was standing on a sheet of transparent sapphire, blue, radiant. I have a feeling that my mother opened her eyes and that radiant sapphire just reflected back upon her. And she was reflecting what she was seeing. Moms, you're important today. Don't ever stop loving, being patient. Don't ever stop telling your husbands, honey, it's going to be okay. Calm down a little bit. They're going to be all right. Keep praying. Keep trusting. Keep believing. You have such an important role as moms and grandmas and great-grandmas. You'll never know how important it is. We're just about done with our house now. Six weeks of crazy. On Thursday, my painters left about noon, and I started laying flooring and putting up shiplap on some walls. And I did. I worked Thursday till 10.30, worked Friday for 12 hours, and then Saturday, yesterday, I did another 12-hour shift. I got a lot of flooring down. 
I'm pretty good. If you need any flooring laid, give me a call. No, I really don't want to see any more. <laughs> but we're in the finishing stages. And I, th I think about our life when we think we're in the finishing stages. We're getting there. We're getting to where God wanted us to be. And then there's a storm that comes raging in. Jesus said, build your house upon the rock. And he didn't say, if the storm comes, he said, when the storm comes, the wind will blow, the rains will pound against it. And if you're built upon anything other than that foundation, and this, this doesn't mean your whole life. I know for myself, I was built upon a good foundation. But I know there was areas in my life that were revealed when my son Mathis died that I never knew I had left. We had already stood by the grave of four of our kids and as you know, most of Jeffrey, Renaya, Travis, and Kaya were very medical. They, they struggled with life. It was a battle almost every day for them. And somewhere within my heart, I could, I could reason out and say, well, this is okay. God, you, they're better off. They're, they're with you, and, and I'm rejoicing. And even though I would weep and cry and miss them and look at their pictures and and. It all seems surreal at times. I still could find somewhere in that house of my heart where I felt like I was okay. <clears throat> but when Mathis died, it was like a hurricane ripped through my life. Mathis was a healthy little boy other than a heart valve. He needed a heart valve replaced. Simple procedure, very routine, basically, they told us. We sought out one of the best heart surgeons. He went in for surgery, and as many of you know, he never woke up. He had an air embolism, went to his brain, basically killed him instantly. And our little eight-year-old boy, who was the life of the party, I mean, he was the court gesture. He was the one that ran around and made everybody laugh and made you want to choke him some days. But he was phenomenal. He thought the world revolved around him. We'd have to remind him once in a while. It didn't. But surprisingly, after he left our home, we realized it kind of did. And I felt like a hurricane hit me. There was a hurricane that hit Florida probably 20, 25 years ago. I think it was Hurricane Bob. And they showed two housing developments side by side. Nothing separated them but a street. The one contractor had used all materials that were in regulations for hurricane survival. The other contractor, they found out used all substandard materials, did not hurricane-proof their homes. Literally, this side of the street, there was siding, there was shingles, there were fences, there was, you know, evidence that the storm had come. This side of the street was flattened. But nobody knew about it until the storm hit. 
You see, storms in our life don't necessarily produce strength. They can. We can learn from them. But what they do is expose who we really are. And all of a sudden, I saw things in my life that were just not good. And I was mad. I was angry at God. I was angry at the Word. When it would come and talk about healing, I didn't want to hear it. I questioned, why pray? I was pretty honest with Pastor Steve. He had to carry a lot of my garbage at times. But it was real. And I would tell him, What's the point when the outcome is already determined? And I battled with it and I fought with it and I realized that I looked more like the house on this side of the street than that side of the street. And that was sad. I hope none of you ever have to experience what my wife and I have walked through. But if you do, no one thing, God will not give up on you. I was a quitter many days. He was not. Amen? He is not. He loves me. And he scraped out some of that junk, and he's still working on it. And I told Pastor Steve, I think the thing that hurt me the most was I didn't trust him. I just didn't trust him anymore. That's hard for me to say, because I've been ministering a long time. And I told people to trust God. And I believe it. And I still believe it. But it's more when you walk through it. And you have to stand. I always think about the people after a tornado hits and they stand and they're looking at 40, 50 years of their home and memories and things they've collected and and it's not the stuff, but often it's what it represents to us. And that's okay to care about our home. God blesses us with homes. God blesses us with those things. And it's okay to care. He wants us to take care of what he's given us. But I think about those people that stand there and they look at their, what they had and... and um, I felt like I was standing in the rubble of my life going, where do I start? I don't want to start. I'm old. There's too much snow on the roof and in the whiskers to, you know, think I got to start over again. But I found out he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. And he won't stop. He won't stop with you today. When I see him face to face, I'll know why. Part of it's pride. I showed 
told Pastor Steve a couple months ago, we were having coffee, and I said, most of what I'm dealing with right now is my pride. Ryan, stop. My pride wants to control the situation. My pride wants to say, God, I will trust you here, here, and here, but not here. I will trust you in these situations, but I, I'm not going to trust you with this. And that's tough to get to that point where we have to recognize those things and deal with them and really come back and say, okay, God, I'm going to put it back in your hands to the best of my ability and just trust you to come back to that point where we truly surrender to our Savior and to his will. I think about in the Garden of Eden when Jesus was about to carry the weight of the sin of the entire world. And if that wasn't enough, he knew he was going to have to experience separation from the Father for a moment while that sin was placed upon him. That moment when he cried, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I believe was probably the most agonizing moment that Jesus ever spent. He's looking for me to surrender my life fresh and new again to him. And I find that when I share about it, I can trust more. I can believe again. Because I look out here and I see the faces of people that have loved me, that have stood with me and prayed with me and prayed for my family. And it matters. It matters a lot. What I need to do is surrender. I need to open my heart and say, God, Complete this work in me that you began. When I was chaplain, I always told the residents that I looked at life as four seasons. When you're zero to 20 years old, you're in the spring of your life. When you're from 20 to 40, it's summertime. Boy, you're productive and you're going. From 40 to 60 is kind of the fall of your life. The leaves start changing colors and falling out. And from 60 to 80 is kind of winter time where things change. But it's not over. It's just a change. It's a new chapter. And I would say whether you're in the spring of life or you're in the winter of life, remember to surrender. To surrender. That's my call to us this morning. Let's recommit that surrender to our Savior. I'd like to close with this song that I wrote a few years ago, and it's called Just That, I Surrender.
trust you Follow your desire Why won't I let go And give you full Jesus, um, or are there some things that have surfaced even during this service that you realized that was partial, and it's time to open that next room. Here's the opportunity right now. Let's all bow our heads.
Maybe it's the first time for you to receive Jesus as your Savior. I don't know if you've noticed it, but in one of our prayer meetings a few weeks ago, one of the prayers said, I think we should give an opportunity to receive Jesus in every service. And I'm finding myself doing that. And here it is. If you've never received him as your Savior, that's here in this room and online. Just pray with me. You don't have to repeat it. Just pray this in your heart. You can lip it too. I mean, you can say it if you want to. Oh, Father God, I know I need a Savior. I have sinned. I believe in Jesus. I believe he was on this earth. Son of God, Son of Man, that He died for me on that cross. And He rose again from the grave. And I receive that forgiveness that comes through that redemptive work that Jesus did. I receive you, Lord Jesus, into my being, your Holy Spirit, right now. And then, now we surrender all. We surrender all to Jesus. And those of us that have received him before, there's parts, I'm just like Kent, I keep finding, I keep seeing areas that I need to surrender. So here's the opportunity. The Holy Spirit is calling for that. There are windows of opportunity it's not always there it just isn't but it is here now and so let's seize that and let's walk through it let's lay down those things that we've held on to surrender all to Jesus hallelujah everyone in agreement said amen in Jesus' name, amen. Oh, wow. Thank you, Lord. Just one more thing before we leave. Abraham. I just met Abraham a few minutes ago. Uh, is this anything? There's nothing sensitive for a street live stream, right? Um, I might just ask you a few questions. So, you've surrendered your life to Jesus. Yes, sir. What is your full name? Uh, my name is Abraham Perlmeyer. What's the last name? Perlmeyer. Can you spell that? It's H-I-E-R-L-M-A-I-E-R. Where are you from? Where are you? Uh, so I grew up about an hour south of the cities and moved up here in 2013. Okay, why don't you come over this way a little bit more. Um, so there's a call on your life? What is that? Uh, so since 2018, I've had the opportunity to serve with Avant Ministries um, in West Asia and East Africa. And so I'm hoping to go back to West Asia this summer. And so I'm right now trying to find more people that are willing to pray for uh, the work going on there as well as financial partners. So I was going to share that with, with any of you. If you're interested in that, come and see me at the end. I'll be in the back and love to share with you more on that. Yes. I told Abraham that, that he could be in the foyer for any of us to come and just connect to, for prayer, 
and maybe financial if that's what God puts on your heart, some help there. And uh, when are you going back? Uh, so I'm hoping to return in early August. Early August. Okay. Father, we thank you for this, this young man, Abraham, that is answering the call. Have you been there before? Uh, yes, I was there for two years. Lord, that has answered this call, has been there, and he's going back. And Lord, we thank you for your hand upon him as well. Again, your blessing, your favor, protection, provision, direction, illumination, revelation, multiplied grace, healing, shalom, shalom, spirit, soul, body, Lord as he goes forth. And we thank you for, for, for that full provision for him and that prayer support in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Okay, you can just meet Abraham in the foyer. So, hallelujah. One of those services you really you could stay here a long time just basking in the Lord's presence, but we'll bask in fellowship together. Remember, there's goodies. There's some goodies. I saw them there. I know I saw some cinnamon rolls. <laughs> so, God bless you all. If you want, would like prayer, please come forward. You know, if, if whatever it is. Maybe you'd like to f confirm receiving Jesus or confirm surrendering something or agree with, with me. I'll ask Kent to stay here too and there's others that will pray with you. Or find someone somewhere and just ask them to pray with you and agree. Amen? All right. Oh, Kaylee, I see you. Good to have you back. <laughs> Kaylee's back. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. You are dismissed. And go into the world. Be that shining light for Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah.